Hi, welcome to this episode of Today's Rewind. I'm Anna. And I'm Anera. And we're two students studying history at the University of Bristol. Today is a special murder mystery episode where we will be taking a look at the disappearance of Edward V and his younger brother Richard, who are commonly known as the Princes in the Tower. On the 9th of April, 1483, Edward V succeeded his father as King of England, but he was never crowned. Edward and his younger brother went missing after being lodged in the Tower of London by their uncle, the Duke of Gloucester, who later became King Richard III. The fate of these young boys still remains a mystery today as they were never seen alive again. This episode will uncover the mysterious story behind the princes in the tower and why their disappearance is still debated by historians even centuries later. Before we get into the murder mystery, we're as always going to discuss what else has happened on this day in history. Okay, so my first date is that on the 9th of April in 1413, Henry V is crowned King of England and he is one of the most famous kings of England. Um, He's probably best known for his um, two successful campaigns in France during the Hundred Years' War which was a war between England and France, (laughs) Um, (laughs) with his most successful victory being the Battle of Agincourt, um, which is a very famous battle. Um, Yeah, yeah. and then my next one, we're jumping a bit, uh, to 1963, when Winston Churchill became the first honorary US citizen. I didn't know that at all, actually. I didn't know he was the first. I didn't know. I didn't know he was an honorary citizen, to be honest. No, me neither. Um, okay, so now we're really jumping. <laughs> I'm in the 2000s. Oh, wow. So very recent history. <laughs> very recent history. So 2002 um, was the funeral of Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother at Westminster oh. Abbey. Oh. Um, it's actually said that more than a million people lined the streets. Wow. Um, yeah, so to be honest, I, this is quite embarrassing to say, but I didn't know her name was Elizabeth. I did, but I don't know how I knew it. I just... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. So, yeah. And also, three years later, we've gone a very royal theme. Yeah, we really have. <laughs> because my next one's another royal. Oh, wow. <laughs> and this whole episode is on royals as well. But 2005, Prince Charles um, and Camilla Parker Bowles get married. Oh, um, okay. Which is recent than I thought me too but then I guess 2005 we think it's not that long ago but it is yeah oh my gosh yeah it's actually quite a long time ago (laughs) we were quite young then but um, yeah we were um so we have one birthday on the 9th of April and that is Isambard Kingdom Brunel who was born on the 9th of April in 1806 um and he's probably most widely remembered for his work on the Great Western Railway. Um, yeah. And also, we actually spoke about this in one of our Instagram posts. If you're not yeah, following don't already, follow us. <laughs> please follow us. It's at Today's <laughs> Rewind. Um, but we actually spoke because he also designed the Clifton Suspension Bridge. Um, yeah. Which 
obviously we have visited many times as we're at Bristol but iconic in Bristol it really is have you walked across it yeah I have me too yeah I have it's it's a I've only walked across it once but I it's a good it's a nice break trip (laughs) (laughs) it is So now we're going to delve into the story of the princes in the tower. Now, this story, you could almost say, is like a medieval episode of a soap opera. It really is. <laughs> it's, it's got everything. It's got the secrecy, betrayal, the violence, the murder and the mystery and suspicion. It's just everything is packed into this story. So we're going to start off by looking at the Wars of the Roses, which was the backdrop to this murder mystery. Okay, so The Wars of the Roses is quite like a complicated and detailed story. So I'm gonna do a very brief overview of them. (laughs) Good luck with simplifying it. (laughs) There's like a load of Henry's, Richard and Edward. So try and bear with me on this. Not much variation with the names. Stick to the same names. (laughs) Okay, so The Wars of the Roses was a series of battles fought between branches of the royal family over who should be king. So it really began way back at the end of the 14th century with Richard II, who was deposed by Henry Bolingbroke, his cousin, and the leader of the House of Lancaster, which is the side that's represented by the Red Rose. Okay, (laughs) so Henry Bolingbroke becomes Henry IV, and he rules until his death, and he passes the throne on without too many troubles to his eldest son, as it should happen, um, he was Henry V. Now, as I said before, Henry V is most famous for his victory at Agincourt. Um, and this, this, <laughs> the Battle of Agincourt named Henry V the heir to the French throne as well. However, when Henry V died, um, he died before he could take the French throne because the French king outlived him. Um, so, when Henry V dies, his son, Henry VI, takes the throne. Again, quite an easy <laughs> succession. Um, but Henry VI was pretty unpopular and not a very capable oh, king. No. I know, he wasn't... This is kind of when the Wars of the Roses really kicks off. Like, you get a <laughs> lot of battles now. Picking, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, and so he, Henry VI, is deposed and replaced by Edward, the, Edward IV, who is the head of the York House, which is represented by the White Rose, which is where White Rose. the Wars of the Roses, that, where that name comes from. Um, yeah, the Red and the White yeah. Rose. So, yeah, so Edward IV is king. However, there's a few battles and Henry VI becomes king again. So, um, oh, but gosh. Edward IV is still alive, you know, he's still there. Um, yeah, so Henry VI is king again, but then <laughs> then he's defeated again and killed by Edward VI. <laughs> so Edward oh VI my days! Back, he, so Edward VI has two reigns. He has his first reign, which is a bit unstable, and then his second reign, which is far more stable because Henry VI and Henry VI's son and heir has both been killed by this point. So he's sort of the only viable option for king because the Lancastrian opposition has sort of been wiped out and the Lancastrians like I said are the red roses um so by about 1471 Edward IV is king again a bit more stable and he rules England and um this is sort of where the story begins for the princes in the tower because Edward IV is their father so he has two sons 
Edward and Richard, and they become known as the Princes in the Tower. <clears throat> they were his heirs, and his eldest son should have become King of England, but this never happened. He was never crowned. And uh, yeah, that's sort of an dot, overview. Dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> really, that, that was really good. Well Thank done. You. I applaud you for that because that's difficult. It's a really complicated. Um, it's not as simple as just oh, it goes on to the next turn. Know, it goes on to it's just it's always something. It would help if the names were different, but it's okay. <laughs> it really would. <laughs> Now we'll discuss Edward V's early life and the death, the death of his father, which happened on the 9th of April in 1483, and the events that followed it. Yeah, so Edward V was born at Westminster, while his father, King Edward IV of England, was in exile in Burgundy. The names really complicate me. I'm going to say that now. It's, it's um, <laughs> so... When Edward IV came back and took over the throne, um, Ed- Edward V became his heir and was given the title Prince of Wales. And his father thought it would be right for him to go and rule in Wales because, you know, he's the Prince of Wales. Um, so he sent his son to live in Ludlow Castle, where the Council of Wales met. Um, so the little prince was helped by his uncle, Anthony Woodville, Earl Rivers. Now, just to clarify, that is, um, <laughs> this is so confusing. This is Edward IV's wife's brother. So it's the maternal uncle for yeah. Edward V, the prince. Like, it's the maternal uncle. Yeah. Because <laughs> his parents are Elizabeth Woodville and Edward IV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so he was helped by Anthony Woodville and there he sort of began to learn how to be a ruler and also Edward's mother Queen Elizabeth was often with him and his father the king also visited him. So the prince spent most of his time at Ludlow until he was 12 when his father the king suddenly died on the 9th of April so on this day and this is where it all kicked off. <laughs> um the prince had to go straight to London to take the throne and his uncle, Earl Rivers, went with him. On the way, they were met by another of his uncles, Richard, Duke of Gloucester. <laughs> Here he comes. <laughs> and the Duke was a younger brother of King Edward IV. So he's and... the prince's paternal uncle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he was given the title of Lord Protector. And in hope that he would look after Prince Edward until he was old enough to be the real king. You'll see later why that's a little bit ironic that he's been given that name. But um, and then Earl Rivers was executed by the Duke of Gloucester. And that meant that he took possession of the prince himself. Now, this prompted Elizabeth Woodville to take her other son, annoyingly called Richard, (laughs) Richard, Duke of York, and her daughters into sanctuary at Westminster Abbey, where she would be safe. Yes, so after Edward IV died, his widow, Elizabeth Woodville, was particularly vulnerable. Um, Richard, the Lord Protector, had a lot of her closest supporters executed, um, and she was pretty unpopular in court, 
Um, now there's a whole reason behind that, but it's too complicated. <laughs> um, so yeah, so she takes Sanctuary at Westminster Abbey and she is soon persuaded to give up her other younger son, Richard, to, <laughs> to Richard, <laughs> to the Lord Protector Richard. Um, for him to be housed in a Tower of London with his older brother, Prince Edward. Um, she was initially quite reluctant to give up her son. Um, no surprise there. No surprise, yeah, you can't really trust anyone in this sort of climate, even no. their own uncle. Um, but she does eventually, she's persuaded to say goodbye to her son, and this is the last time she would ever see him because they disappeared that summer. Um, and... The housing of the princes in the tower was said to be for their own protection, um, as it was in the build-up to Edward V's coronation. And this was a traditional thing to do. Um, king, future kings were traditionally housed in the tower before the coronation. Just, I don't know why, but that's a traditional thing. So housing uh, Prince Edward seemed like the normal thing to do, but for the Lord Protector Richard to ask for the other son was a bit of a strange move that seemed a bit suspicious and um, yeah I think that's why so many of the theories point to him <laughs> yeah definitely yeah. but we'll get into that later we're now going to take a look into Richard stealing the throne from his nephews and then also the main suspects and theories behind the disappearance of the princes in the tower. Yes, so Richard III, he starts spreading rumours that the princes, so his nephews, were illegitimate, which meant that their claim to the throne was discredited. Um, this then meant that Richard was able to become the King of England, which like officially happened on the 6th of July 1483 yeah that was his coronation but he's king from sometime in June but like yeah. officially coronated yeah yeah the issue with this topic is that there's no hard evidence so there's no solid dates we can refer to which is a bit difficult <laughs> but it's okay so um now we do have a lit this is sort of the only sort of contemporary account we have of this event which was from Dominic Mancini I hope I pronounced that right. It's an Italian name because he's an Italian friar who visited England in the 1480s and who was in London in the spring and summer of 1483, which is obviously where it all started taking place. Um, he recorded that after Richard III seized the throne, Edward and his younger brother, Richard, the other Richard, um, were taken into the inner apartments of the tower and then were seen less and less until they disappeared altogether. That is suspicious, I must say. Very <laughs> suspicious. Now, Mancini's record records that during this period, Edward was regularly visited by a doctor who reported that Edward, and now this is a quote, like a victim prepared for sacrifice, sought remission of his sins by daily confession and penance because he believed that death was facing him. Oh my gosh, mm. he's literally 12 years old. Imagine preparing yourself for... I know, like, when death. we sort of tell the story and think about it, I do sometimes forget that they were literally children. Like, the, the younger Richard was nine and Edward was 12, I think? They must have been terrified. They're trapped. Yeah. They don't have their parents. They don't. They only have each other. So, 
Um, At least they had each other. It wasn't just one. True. (laughs) But must be really terrifying. Definitely. Um, Yeah, so as Anna said, there is a real lack of evidence, which I think is why there is still so much speculation about what happened today, because you can't really prove it that well. Um, But in 1864, there were actually two bodies discovered in a staircase in the Tower of London. So they're thought to be the princes in the tower, but there isn't that much conclusive evidence um, to support that. But their bones are now buried in Westminster Abbey. So, yeah. Um, But we're now going to move on and look at the the sort of the key suspects and the main theories behind what happened to the princes and what their fate was. So our first suspect is King Richard III. So Anna, do you want to start? Yes. So the most common theory is that the boys were murdered closer to closer the time that they were disappeared. And those who agree with this theory or think this way most commonly think that they were murdered by Richard III, their uncle. Now, there's so many reasons for this. So we're going to just pick out the main one. (laughs) (laughs) So the first one is that Richard III was able to convince people that the two princes were not the legal heirs to the throne. Because after Edward IV had died, um, his brother, it was revealed that he had been engaged to a woman named Eleanor Butler, so this meant that Edward IV's marriage to Elizabeth Woodville was seen as invalid. Now, this then meant the prince's claim to the throne was discredited and Richard the, um, the III became next in line as his other brothers had both died before Edward IV. So um, on the 25th of June, 1483, the parliament said that Richard III or at the time, Richard, Duke of Gloucester, was the legal king. And on the 6th of July, the prince's uncle was crowned King Richard III. So he, you could see he wanted that, <laughs> he wanted the crown. And um, he, so he did start this rumour around in order to sort of strengthen his own position and become king. Um, just coming back to the rumour that Richard spread, um, interestingly, by the time that, this is all happening the woman who Edward was betrothed to I don't know what was her name you had it. Eleanor Butler I think Eleanor yeah. Butler she had died by the time Richard spread this rumour so there's very little evidence to prove or disprove the fact that they were actually betrothed um like legally so oh. it's not even that it is just a rumour um so it, it was quite convenient that she had died and couldn't <laughs> say too convenient yeah um, I mean, but actually, yeah. Sorry, you guys. I was just gonna say you can't really trust rumors, can you? I mean, if there's no evidence and it's just word, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. But what evidence can you have? Exactly. Um, but I was just gonna say, actually, the fact that Richard tries to prove the prince's illegitimacy is actually an argument used to disprove the fact Richard would have had a motivation to kill the princes and his like his nephews, um, because if the princes were in fact illegitimate he would be next in line to the throne uh, because they couldn't take the throne. Like he wouldn't have a need to actually oh, murder them okay. because they wouldn't have a claim. So it would seem strange that he would actually go out of his way to murder his own nephews if it wasn't necessary. So, yeah, you know, he could be innocent. Interesting. 
it's, it'll be interesting to know what other people think listening to this there yeah. do they think it's yeah, Richard do don't they, they do? who do they think <laughs> um now another argument that it was Richard <clears throat> um was that rumors of their death as in the prince's death started to circulate by late 1483 but Richard never attempted to prove that they were alive by having them seen in public, which strongly suggests Ooh. that they were dead by then. And also, he failed to open any investigation into the matter, which, I mean, surely he would have wanted to do if he was not responsible for yeah. the death. Because That's he's too suspicious. You want to prove yeah. your innocence. If exactly. people think you've murdered your nephews, you don't want to just let that rumour fly. You don't want to drag them out and be like, they're here, they're alive. <laughs> but like, he didn't do anything. He didn't show them. So I think it's a pretty strong argument that it yeah, could be Richard. against him. Um, yeah, this isn't, a, this isn't to prove Richard's innocence, but a lot of historians have dismissed because there's a theory that um, Richard always planned to take the throne after his brother died. But this is quite widely dismissed because he was always very loyal to his brother, King Edward IV. So it actually seems like it was maybe uh, a sort of spontaneous <laughs> decision when an opportunity presented itself for him to sort of steal the throne rather than a plan that Along, had been in the making yeah. for years. Like it just sort of seemed like he probably did do it, but it was more of a, a sort of last minute well from then like a long-term plan yeah okay so that's Richard now we're moving on to <laughs> another suspect um Henry Stafford Duke of Buckingham now he was a close ally of Richard III and he also had a tentative claim to the throne which would be strengthened by the prince's death um interestingly a contemporary source noted that the prince's and this is a quote, were put to death in the Tower of London by the vice of the Duke of Buckingham. However, Ooh, that seems quite I know solid. <laughs> However, historians do debate the meaning of the word vice. So uh, yeah, again, yeah, that is tricky. There's no. But that's quite a big statement to make. I know that's like, kind of like confirming. <laughs> yeah, that they were killed, but it's in again there's not hard evidence it's just one contemporary source and like with historians and studying history we always know to look at all different sources and conclude evidence from primary sources etc so yeah and question the sort of motivations behind sources and stuff like you can't really exactly just take it but um, oh sorry I was just going to say one more thing about <laughs> Henry Stafford <laughs> is that he may have had the boys killed to benefit Richard, but it's also possible he murdered the... He ordered the murder, knowing Richard would be blamed, causing the country to then turn against him. Um, and then maybe that would then put him... That would be a good plan. It's pretty sneaky. But if it was to work... Very well thought out. <laughs> um, I was just going to add to that, sort of... You've sort of just covered it, but... um. He was an avid supporter of Richard, but he suddenly rebels against him, which seems a bit strange. Um, and also due to his close position to Richard, he may have had access to the princes to kill them, whether that was for himself or for yeah. uh, Richard. Like, uh, who knows? <laughs> and actually, um, eventually, he betrayed Richard and was executed. Yeah, didn't well, work out too well for him. That was really. the end of him. Um, so my final theory is the fact that they weren't killed at all. 
Um, oh, it's controversial. Suggested. <laughs> I know, I know. I I haven't heard too much about a theory like this, but it's interesting. It's quite a short theory, to be honest, but it's been suggested that their sympathisers helped them to escape their uncle's captivity. But there's no real evidence for this. Um, I would love for that to be the truth. I know. I feel like because two bodies were discovered in the tower, yeah. kind of suggests that they died in the tower. Rather it lines than escaping, up which too is much. It's, it's too much of a weird coincidence for that not to be them. Um, yeah. But yeah, that is a theory. So the princes were never seen again. Um, Richard III had a pretty short reign. Uh, He reigned from 1483 to 1485. And in 1485, he was defeated by Henry Tudor at the Battle of Bosworth. And this this, um, battle ended the Wars of the Roses. And Henry Tudor married Elizabeth the York, Elizabeth of York, sorry, which united the two opposing forces of the Wars of the Roses, which were Lancaster and York. Yeah, um, it finally so, came yeah, to an no, end. Finally <laughs> over. Um, so Henry Tudor became Henry the Seventh, the first Tudor king, which is probably the most famous English dynasty in history. Uh, however, during Henry the Seventh's reign. There were multiple circumstances where people pretended to be one of the princes because the public had never seen the bodies, like it had never been fully confirmed. Um, people took advantage of this to have like a, a go at taking the throne. Uh, so one example of these was a ma- a boy, sorry, called Perkin Warbeck, who posed to be Richard, Duke of York, the younger of the two princes. Um, so it sort of it carried on to the Tudor period where people were still sort of looking yeah. for the, the old heirs to the throne which is quite interesting but I mean none of I them mean, had a real claim so it didn't uh, yeah. come to much they're a bit of a threat but I mean yeah. it was so it must have been I mean it still is now even like studying it but like it must have been such a huge mystery and I know people would have really wanted to find <laughs> out can you imagine yeah it must have been so weird but um also I just find it really strange to think that someone does know what happened to them but who's that person exactly and we that's something we will probably never know unless some random evidence appears and reveals the truth but at the end of the day these were young children they were trapped they were terrified and they were just they were betrayed by adults who they thought they trusted because remember Richard III was titled the Lord Lord Protector to protect them and I mean whether it was him or whether it wasn't him either way these young boys all alone in the tower they were betrayed by adults but we just don't know who those adults were. As always, we're both going to share an interesting fact that we found during our research. So I'll start by saying that when the bones were discovered, um, an eyewitness described pieces of rags and velvet um, adhered to the bones. And interestingly, only royals could wear velvet. Oh no, that's it's definitely got to be them. <laughs> it has to be. I mean, again, this is only an eyewitness, so how much can we really trust? But 
I mean oh, that it, would make sense like that that oh I mean so all the little them. I know all the little bits of like evidence and comments that we have got from them it does point towards that that makes, oh. yeah that makes Richard or the Duke of Buckingham on like that yeah. that theory just looks so much worse more like credible yeah <laughs> yeah good I like that fact um <laughs> So my interesting fact isn't actually about the princes themselves. It's about their father, who was King Edward IV, um, because he he kills his own brother. He has his own brother executed. And supposedly, so his uh, brother was George, Duke of Clarence. And supposedly, George, Duke of Clarence got to choose his own form of death. Um, And the reason he was executed was because he betrayed his brother to support the other opposing king who was trying to get the throne. Um, but the, his, he chose to die by, I don't know if he chose, it sounds like a horrible death, but um, <laughs> he chose to dry, die by being drowned in a vat of wine. Wow. I know. Well, I mean, if you have to choose your own death. Oh, but drowning is such a long, it's such I a long know, death. I <laughs> know, but then in wine. True, I guess. If you don't think it through, it sounds all right, but I just it's like that was drowning in chocolate or something. I don't think I'd want to. I mean, <laughs> no, but I mean, at least you could be surrounded with something you love. True, <laughs> but yeah, that is horrible still. Now we're going to do our true or false segment. Um, Anna, do you want to do your first one? Okay, so my first one is Edward Edward the Fourth and Elizabeth Woodville um, had four children in total. True or false? Okay, I think I know. <laughs> I oh, I don't know. I'm gonna say false because I think they had quite a few daughters. You're correct. Oh yes, <laughs> they. Um, well, actually, interestingly, the court really disapproved of sort of Edward and Elizabeth getting married, but they actually had a very successful relationship. And during the 19 years together, they had 10 children. Wow, you're right, they oh, had a I lot didn't of daughters, think it was 10, <laughs> but they had a lot of daughters, they had seven daughters and three sons. Oh, okay. so yeah, interesting. Uh, okay, so my first one is that the Wars of the Roses was initially more widely known as the Brothers' War. Ooh. Mm, true. It's false, but I do feel oh. bad because kind of, I've kind of made another trick one. Um, it was widely <laughs> known as the Cousins' War. Um, I was thinking, where has Brothers come from? Yeah, well, yeah, because it is mainly cousins fighting each other. Um, but yeah, I think Shakespeare used uh, the two roses as a symbol in his play um, Henry the Sixth, Part One. So that's when like the Wars of the Roses became used as like a well-known phrase. Oh, okay, that's a that's a good one. That's interesting, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so my next one is since Prince Richard's birth in fourteen seventy three. So this is the little prince. Yeah. It became tradition for the monarch's second son to be titled Duke of York. Oh, that's really interesting. Because the firstborn, it's tradition to be Prince of Wales, I 
think. So I'm going to go true. You're correct again. Hey. <laughs> it's true. But I didn't know that at all until, I mean, no, I didn't up. know that. Yeah. Just a guess. Yeah. Um, okay. So my next one is that Richard III married his own niece. Uh, mm-hmm. Um. I'm scared this is going to be another trick one. If I know you married his sister. <laughs> no, no, no. Hang on. Let me think. You know, I think back in those times, it probably wasn't uncommon. So I'm going to say true. It's actually false. No! <laughs> there was a rumour spread that he wanted to marry his niece. Um, and she was the eldest daughter of his brother, Edward IV. Um, but this could have been a rumour. Like, I mean, it could have been true that he wanted to. But it also could have been a rumour to rise support for the Tudor cause. Because I think even their niece is a bit of a weird relation to marry. I know. I mean, rumours, rumours. Again, mm. what can you trust? What, yeah, you know. exactly. Um, okay, my final one is Richard III's body was found in a car park. I remember this one happening. It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> so, yeah, that was true. Yeah, I remember it too. I think it was only eight years ago and it was in Leicester. Oh, okay. I do remember hearing about that and thinking that's yeah. so funny. So I mean, weird. not funny, but it's so bizarre. I so. You know, if you're a king and then you're buried I in know. a car park. In a car park of all places. Oh. Okay, so my final one is that the uh, bloodiest battle ever fought on English soil was during the Wars of the Roses. Oh, you know what? I'm not doing too well this <laughs> But well, so I've far, difficult ones. they've all been false, I think. So I'm going to go true. Yeah, you're right. It's okay. True. Um, this was the Battle of Towton in 1461, the bloodiest and largest battle fought on English soil. And wow. this ended in a Yorkist victory for Edward IV, which put Edward IV on the throne because Henry VI and his wife had fled to Scotland with their son and heir. So yeah, it's quite a significant That's a good one, yeah. Uh, so we asked on our Instagram, which is at Today's Rewind, if anyone had any questions about the Wars of the Roses or the Princes in the Tower that they would like us to answer in this. So these are the questions we got asked and we're going to try and answer them now. So Anna, do you want to... Yeah. The first one. <laughs> so the first one was simply, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> Which I really hope we've answered in this episode. Um, but it's a complicated know, story, really, but hopefully it's a simple it question for a long answer. But yeah, we hope we've answered that one already. Um, so the next one is proof that Richard III killed the princes. Now we've kind of already discussed how um it's really hard to like point the blame to anyone because of the lack of like substantial concrete evidence um obviously as Anna said that there is that contemporary account and sort of things do point to Richard but it could be circumstantial like it's not solid enough to say it was Richard but there are things that are a bit suspicious yeah um the next one is about the Wars of the Roses and it is how do you remember which rose is which um so the red rose is for Lancaster and the white rose is for York but I don't think unless there's some 
song or something no, that can I've help you remember it. it. I don't I don't know. I think you just have to remember it. Sorry. Oh, and on the topic of the roses, I don't know. Did we ever say what the Tudor rose is? Oh, um, it's a mix, isn't it? Yeah, it's red and white. So I guess that's the way to remember what colours they are, but not which colours. That's which. a very good point. That's a good yeah. point. So that helps at all then. Yeah. I don't know if that really answers it, but. Yeah. <laughs> um, my next question is, what were the two sides fighting over in the Wars of the Roses? Um just quite simply they were competing to be uh king of england so it was two opposing sides of the same family who had different supporters and different claims to the throne Um, yeah simply yeah and another question is in reference to the princess in the tower and what did the public think happened um i think the public i mean again i know we keep saying it but with the lack of evidence it just sort of led to rumors and yeah. there was lots of rumours that quickly spread that they had been murdered. Um, this was following their disappearance. So I think the public thought they had been murdered. Yeah, and because they disappeared while in Richard's custody, I think he seemed he was the likely suspect. Yeah. Um, and so the final question, I think, I think this is the final one, um, is what are our personal opinions on Richard III? I thought this was quite an interesting question. I know, I like this question a lot. Um, I like it. What are your opinions on him? I think I don't like him. (laughs) I think there's too much suspicion and too many things line up and point to him. Um, Interestingly, the Tudors obviously took over after all all of this and they really portrayed Richard in a negative light and really went to town to say that he was the villain um so I think in some ways he may have been treated unfairly in that sense because he was really like punished for it but at the end of the day I personally think that he did have some responsibility surrounding the disappearance I think he actually has potential to be a bit sort of misunderstood (laughs) really (laughs) yeah because he's really widely blamed but I know we've sort of argued the fact he's the most likely suspect but there isn't evidence for it and also like accounts of his evil behavior have often been taken as truth when like a lot of opinions have been influenced by Shakespeare's portrayal of him being like this completely evil wicked character Um, but like you said that was written in the 1590s when Elizabeth I was queen so, like, this could have been used to legitimise the Tudor dynasty, um, like, because the Tudor, like, obviously, Henry Tudor had killed Richard III. So, was that, is that affected how yeah. we view him today? That's such a good point. The Shakespeare play of Richard III does play a bit of a role in sort of yeah. how he's portrayed. It's very widely, you know, known about the Shakespearean portrayal, but I yeah. don't know. I don't get him if he killed his own nephews then obviously he's not a good person (laughs) but you can't say that for sure yeah so who knows it's a great question and thank you for all the questions and for people asking it got a good response thank you for listening to this special murder mystery episode Let us know over on our Instagram page what your theory is on the disappearance of the two princes. We'd love to hear what you think. Stay tuned to see what event we discuss in our next episode and be sure to check our Instagram out to keep updated. Thanks for listening.